see when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known but then things change and you're down in the God's always working. Amen. Even when it doesn't look like He's working. He works on the right hand. He works on the left, the Bible says. He, he doesn't sleep nor slumber, but He's always working. So Amen. it's no matter what we think, no matter what we see, no matter how bad the situation looks, God's at work right now. Amen. And sometimes it's just like the servant that was walking with Elisha going to Dothan. Oh, there's so many that are around us. And all Elisha said is, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Amen. If we could see the armies that are gathered around us, my, that would give us faith, wouldn't it? Amen. But we believe it. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to Amen. see you all. Nice to have the sun shining. Amen. Good to see you, Brother Len. Amen. 
Good to see the different ones, the visitors that are with us. God bless you. Uh, we appreciate having everyone here. I had a little um, uh, clip from Brother Stephen Nabali this morning. Since the lockdown started in March, they haven't been able to have church. Today is the first day they had church. <laughs> Amen. He said they have a limit of 70 people. They have to wear masks. He says, but we are glad to be in church. So uh, he sent me that, and we're happy for them. We're, you know, we're a body, and we, we're all flesh and blood. We're all human beings. No matter what country, what culture, we're a part of Christ. And we're, we're thankful that God is making a way for them. Amen. Next weekend is October 4th. Uh, we're going to have two services. We're going to have a speaker come in for us. Brother Darren Boyer from Grand Prairie will be here for both services. So let's be praying. Let's be expecting for God to speak to our hearts. I believe our, that whatever we expect, we get. And if we can look for God to move, God will, will do something. The weekend after that is... Uh, Thanksgiving, it's October 11th. We're going to have one service on that Sunday morning, but just prepare for all of that. Well, let's just change the order. Let's prepare our hearts for the word. Let's, let's just sing the song that the prophet sang. Only believe, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Jesus, we believe that even now what we cannot see with our eyes, that in another dimension there are angels that are gathered around about, standing at their post of duty. Lord, we believe there's also demon powers that would try to disrupt and try to challenge and try to be an obstruction for, Lord, we know wherever you are, that's where the devil is also. But, Father, greater is he that is in us. And this morning we've assembled in your name. Two or three, more than that, are here this morning. 
Father, you said you would be here and present in our midst. Lord, we come as vessels. We've brought our little portion. We've prayed. We've humbled ourselves. Lord, we desire that you would take this service. We recognize there's not one of us that can help another. I certainly couldn't. But Lord, we're coming your provided way. And we're asking you now, take this service. Take the preeminence, the leading, the oversight. May you, O Lord, the great Holy Spirit be in every one of us. And Father, may you, O Father, just quicken the word to everyone. Lord, there's a great multitude that are not in the service, those that are gathered in homes. We're asking, Lord, in light of the time that we live in, this is the way we have to do it. But, oh God, may you be everyone's portion this morning. Now, as we open your word, we ask your blessing. We thank you for the songs, the specials that were sung. We commit this service into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Marion. Mark chapter 9, if you will, please. Mark chapter 9. We're going to start the reading in verse 14. Verse 14, it says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes, the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question you with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. He foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered them him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. When you read this portion in Matthew, Jesus would say, because of your unbelief, you could not cast him out. If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. So I'm going back, sorry, didn't mean to leave you there. In, in verse 19, bring him unto me. Verse 20, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowing, wallowed foaming. So this was an epilepsy spirit. And he asked his father, how long is it since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, 
have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, this is, this is a tremendous confession. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch they that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Amen. And when he was come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could, we, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. God bless his word. You may have your seats. This is maybe a strange subject for service, but it's all in the Bible. I want to speak this morning on stubborn spirits. So Jesus would say of this particular spirit, he said, this kind... This kind. When we were all saved, there was things that we could say we came and we had challenges in our life. And there were things that when God started to deal with us, they just went. They went this way. They went that way. And God delivered us. And, and when the good man of the house comes in, the devil cannot stay. And so Things that just left us and it seemed easy and, and God is moving on our behalf. But then there were other things that became a challenge. Things that weren't as easy. Things that were difficult. Things that, that were, were in, in a sense, not so easy, difficult, stubborn. Amen. Now, I'll need a little time to go into it as I usually do. Brother Branham would say in a message, Believing God in 1952, a sinner came to the altar and said, Brother Branham, I want you to pray for me. I want to be good. You pray for me. The next night, how many wants to be saved? Here he stands up again. You want to be saved? Yes, sir. Why? Well, why didn't you get saved? I don't know. And he says this, The devil's holding that boy... That's all. He wants to do right, but there's a spirit, a power that won't let him do right. So it's not just your good intentions that are going to do it. We know we're in a battle. How many knows we're in a battle? Now, Brother Branham talks about his own life, and he says this. 
The only thing that kept me from being saved when I was 12 years old was that there was a spirit that hung over me, a devil saying, wait a little longer. Now this is a prophet to a generation. This is a man that God had intended uh, that from before the foundation of the world, he said, there will come one with the spirit of Elijah. And he determined the hour of his birth. He knew that even at his birth, the devil would try to get him. And he would have died. And he, uh, and he had to draw attention to a neighbor to go and, and intervene on behalf of his mother and, and Brother Branham. So God knew this, and he'd come to a certain age and a certain time, and he came with a family background, and he came with all kinds of things, and he came to a point where God could deal with him, but a spirit held him back. Something hung over him. He says, as a 12-year-old, he said, it hung over me, and what it said is, wait a little longer. Now just think, that could actually hold somebody back. Wait a little longer. Now this morning, I, I just would like you to be attentive. I'd like you to, to, to just think, not just looking around you, not looking, but I want you to think because there's a spirit realm that's just around us. And that spirit realm is desiring expression. And, and there's a spirit realm for good and for bad. So he would say, about us. That's the reason you weren't saved when you came to the age of accountability. A spirit you got with a crowd that hovered over you and kept hanging over you. Now, I, I can say I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself extremely spiritual, but the more you're in prayer, the more you're with God, the more sensitive you are to things. And sometimes here at the pulpit, under an anointing, there's a sensitivity, and you see just when God is moving, then there's a distraction. Then there's a devil does this. He's there every service. And we need to cast him down. We need to be sincere when we come here. So he says, a spirit, you wanted to do right. There's not a man that's got his right mind that wants to do right, but something won't let you do right. What is it? That's the devil. Christ has paid for your, your healing and your salvation. So this morning, you're already healed. If you want to be. If you can accept it. The only thing that would stop you is there's a devil that's holding that back. And I, I, I say, we are the children of the king. We have a right to every blessing. We don't have to live underprivileged. And we need to take and enforce our rights by the Holy Ghost. So Brother Ham said, there's the only thing that keeps you from being well this morning is there's a spirit hanging over you that won't let you fully go out yonder and believe God's promise. Now, I, I, that, that's really just the beginning. I don't know how many would remember but Brother Ed Biscoll would share a story when he was a young man, how he had encountered the prophet, and I think he was in his teen years, and I believe the meeting was in Vernon, British Columbia, and he came to the meeting and he sat up close, and he was able, 
And, and he said he had a bunch of friends, but he didn't want to sit with them. He wanted to find, what's this all about? And he witnessed a young lady, a young girl come up. It was a cross-eyed girl. And a cross-eyed girl, and Brother Bannon began to pray for her. And as he began to pray for her, he finished his prayer, and she was still cross-eyed. And he prayed again. And I, I think he prayed a number of times. I don't know how many times it was. But finally... It was enough. And he goes back and he takes that girl and he takes her to his bosom. And as he takes her to his bosom, he begins to pray this way. Father, by a commission from an angel which told me that if I get the people to believe, nothing will stand before my prayer. I come against this demon. And he says when he finished the prayer, he never even looked at her with his eyes. He just turned her around, and Brother Biscoe said he looked, and her eyes were completely right. Friends, that demon was there, and even a prophet couldn't do it. It took a certain approach. It took a certain mindset. It had to be a certainty. Now, I'm, I'm following this from what we spoke on Wednesday. There's a reason we need to be sincere. This demon that came to Jesus and his disciples, he came and he said, this kind, this kind, and I'll say, there's demons for different reasons that would try to hold us back. But I'll say, if you, if you can get the people to believe and, and be sincere when you pray, nothing will stop, not even cancer. So there's a commission. He had a commission. We have a commission. And so we want to come and we want to take our commission. And it was really out of Mark 16. In my name, they shall cast out devils. That's part of the commission for every one of us. You, you know, we don't wait for somebody with a deliverance ministry. Every one of us can cast out devils. Every one of us will encounter them. Every one of us will, will come face to face with them. That feeling you, you might get, that's something where you seem can't get over a hump. I'll say this, God has given us everything that we can do that. So let's just take for a, a background for a moment here. And I want to just look at the nature of, of demonic spirits. I've been listening in the last week or so to the demonology series that Brother Branham preached. And and it just is good. I've been going for a walk and I've just been listening to it. And it's just been so wonderful to be able to say, my, we have an insight into a realm. You know, I'll say this. In Africa, it's much more open. In North America, we put nice words to it. A spirit of adultery. Oh, it's an extramarital affair. <laughs> no, it's a demon. That's got in the middle of there. I'm listening to her. Somebody said, you know, you know I, I had a dream the other night, and, and it was, you know, um, you know, my wife had gone out and done this. And, but, you know, the God told you, I, I love her so much, you can still come and get married to this person. And Brother Branham says to the person who tells him the dream, he says, that's a nice dream. But he says, God never gave you that dream. Amen. That's of the devil. Amen. And we need to call black, black, and white, white. Amen. And we need to recognize there are spirits that are at work. So the nature of the devil, and I, I, I will say it this way, and, and let's just turn to Isaiah. Some of this will be recap. Are you all with me this morning? 
I, I, I just, you know, you, we're all spirits, but you say amen. You agree with the word. And I'll tell you what, you make the service more than Brother Ed can make the service. Amen. So let's, Isaiah 14. We'll just pick this up. Now, we've read this before, maybe for the first part of it, and we quite often read from, from verses uh, 12 to 14, talking about Lucifer, who, who was in heaven, and, and in verse 13, where his whole ideology was to ascend and, 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 and really to sit above the stars, exalted throne above the stars of God, and to sit on the mount of the congregation. So he desires the place that was given for us. That's his desire. And he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So, so this is what it is. But now Isaiah the prophet turns and he addresses him through the Spirit of God. He says in verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Can you say Amen. He's going to be cast into a pit. I hope he's listening this morning. Verse 16. And then he says, and when he's cast down the pit, he says, this is the, what we'll say. They that see thee shall narrowly look at thee and say, and consider thee, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and that did shake kingdoms? Now, now think, everything that's going on in the earth right now, he can speak a word, send his demons, some upheaval, some war starts, some, some virus starts, something happens. He just does it. He, he's a ruler of this earth. But he says, we'll look at him that and say, is this the guy? Is this all that he was? Now let's look, look at verse 17. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. And now this last part. That opened not the house of his prisoners. He's a stubborn guy. He, even when he knows he's defeated, he will not give in. He will not give up. So what should we do? Okay, listen. If somebody, if you, if you, you, you bought a house and you worked for it and you paid the mortgage for 25 years and you went away on a holiday and you came back home and somebody was living in the house, and you'd call, you'd say, you got to get out of my house. No, I'm not getting out. This is my house. No, I'm not getting out. You would call every authority. You would call the peace officers. You'd call the police. You'd show the title to what you got and say, this is my house. Get out of here. This devil is a stubborn devil. And we need to exercise our God-given rights and say, you've got no place. Now listen, I'm not here. And I say this, we're not here as a people at this end time just to scarcely make it in. We are God's victory. We are what he had in his mind when he went to Calvary. We are the ones that ought to claim what God has given us. And I'll say this, we all have something to claim. Is this the man that opened not the house of his prisoners? So this is his nature. Revelations 12. Verse 7. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. So 
you know, if you if you'll just stop there for a moment. But it all started as iniquity, as Isaiah said. Then it manifests into a tale that was told. We were talking yesterday with a couple brothers, and I was saying, you know, it's amazing how, you know, when you work in construction in different places, you're, and how much swearing and cursing and things just are the norm. It was amazing to me, even I'd been around that all the time, but when God dealt with me and when the Spirit of God came in, all of a sudden, I just became noticeable. Why are they using the name of the Lord Jesus in vain? Because the spirit that is in them is against the spirit of the Lord Jesus. They're not using Buddha. They're not using Mohammed. But they're using the Jesus Christ and the derivatives thereof. It's a contrary spirit. So the devil's against whatever God is doing. So here it would come and said there was war. The tale was told. So there's a spirit, iniquity. There was a tale that was told. And then there had to begin to be a fight. There had to become a resistance. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and there was war, and they were cast down. So it says, they prevailed not. So he says, they, they, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, and Giko, and the Teufel, and whatever else language you want to say. He says, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So there was no place in heaven, but they were down on earth, and now as God's attention turns to earth, to the Garden of Eden, guess who's there? Right at the place that God wanted. Now, I'm, I'm, I can't repeat everything, but this battle has raged throughout time. It raged in the time of Daniel when Daniel was in a foreign kingdom and Daniel was desiring the will of the Lord and he's praying and he's under burden and he's under duress and he doesn't understand it. But then God tells him, he says, I was coming for you three weeks ago already, but there was a war in another dimension and I had to battle through all of that to get to you. Now, if it happened that way in the time of Daniel, it happens that way in the time of Jesus. It happens that way now. So when Jesus came, he also came, and he had to fight in a spiritual realm. Now, I'm going to just ask you to jump back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Brother Dan, maybe if you just turn it on, you don't have to turn your Bible to it all for sake of preserving some time. But Matthew chapter 8. Verse 28. And when he was come, now just think about this now, not just in natural terms, but in spiritual terms. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesesnes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might possess by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before our time? So these devils that were cast out into the earth, they knew they had an allotted time. 
They knew that they had a space that was given to them. And they knew that that time was not over yet, but they recognized here comes one that is displacing what we are doing. We've inhabited this man. And they begin to speak and they recognize, you know, in the scripture it was the demons that recognized Jesus quicker than, the, than, than even true believers sometimes. So he's, there's a space of time. You know, the devils know their time. Let me, let me just finish reading the account, verse 30. And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, now look, look at how their desire for habitation is. If they're cast out of one, oh, please, please, let us go over there. Let us go over to this one. How about those pigs over there? Can you believe that? And he says, and, and he says, so the devils besought him, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, go. You got it. You want to dwell on those pigs, you can. And when they were come out of the herd of swine, behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled. Now, this is happening in, in a place where I don't know who was eating pork there at that time. I don't know who was making their business, selling pork, raising pork, doing that. But, but I'll tell you what, they had a business. It was a livelihood. And so they that kept them, they ran into the city, and all they could talk about was what had happened to their pigs. It wasn't that somebody who was bound by a demon was delivered. It wasn't that something had happened, but it was... What had happened to them that were befallen? And so they went back to the city, and the whole city comes out to meet Jesus. And they said, and when they saw him, they said, please, don't stay here anymore. Go, go. Can you believe that? Here's the one who could set them free, but yet because of their livelihood, because of what had happened, they didn't want to have this Jesus. Now listen, it's no different today. People can sit in a meeting, they can hear the word of God, and they can stubbornly refuse, I don't want to enter in. It'll mean I have to change my friends. It'll mean I have to change what I'm doing in my spare time. It's a stubborn spirit that still exists today. I'm going to read it like Brother Branham said it. He would say, it wasn't because there wasn't a God in Israel that there wasn't a prophet, but they were too stubborn. That's what's the matter with people. They are too stubborn. They want to be modern. They hate the gospel message. Now, there was a maniac in Gadaria who also needed deliverance. And there was a seed that was crying. Jesus was coming for the seed. But he wasn't coming for the land that was possessed by a demon. But yet to get the seed, he'd have to cast out that demon. And I'll say this, if you want God enough, there's a God for you. But the question is, do you want him? So he says, they want to be modern. They hate the gospel message. I'll tell you this, every one of us in our flesh, there's a part of it in our flesh that hates to humble ourselves that hates to, to let go of our own will and let go of our own way. 
But I'll tell you, the more you feed on Christ, the more you come into contact, the less you want your own way. People will sit in their seats, he said, in their churches, and they will die in sin. Now, I'm reading this right from the prophet. But I, I, I say this, it hasn't changed. You can come to church and you can be comfortable until a finger is put on something. And when it's put on something, okay, that's as far as I go. And, and Brother Branham would talk about it in the message, and knoweth it not. How even, you know, there, there can be a woman out in the, in, the, in the streets living in a way, but he says she's actually, that woman is no different than a woman that can be in a church who will come so far but not go all the way. You know, if, if Christ is in you, there's something you want to go all the way with him. The true spirit is, I don't want any part of myself. I don't want to hang. God will let you hang on to something. But there'll come a time when he starts to deal with it. A simple spirit hung over Brother Brenham. Put it off. Put it off. I say this morning, you want to be an overcomer? You know what will help you this morning? Is to humble yourself and say, Lord, not my will. Thine be done. Lord, there's something in my life that, listen, that's good enough for the youngest, the young person, the family, the oldest, the pastor, the minister, everyone. It's good for every one of us. We try and go some other way to get relief, satisfy our own longing. You may live in the best house, drive the best cars. You may be popular on the dance floor. You may be king of the party, the life and the fun of the group, but you'll never be satisfied until you've tasted the God's eternal life by the Holy Spirit. That's God's toxin. Amen. These people in this place, they didn't want no more of Jesus because of how he cast out this. Over in Revelations 12, 12, This same war that was in heaven comes right down to the end. It says, therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. I'm going to say this. The battle that we're in is on a level that has been unparalleled. And I say this. If you're going to take a halfway approach, it's not going to get you there. If you're comfortable just coming to church, it's not going to get you there. But there's going to have to be a determination within that says, I want everything God has for me. I will not be content to coexist with the enemy. I will not live a halfway Christian life. God, he says, Brother Branham doesn't make He says, God doesn't make halfway Christians. He doesn't make halfway preachers. He doesn't make halfway believers. Now he says, people can be halfway. But I say this, I want everything God has. I want the full arrow of God's deliverance. And there needs to be a determination within us. Because I'll tell you this, the devil isn't going to let go easy. He doesn't give up the house of his prisoners. Oh, you want to come in? Listen, when Jesus came down to hell, he didn't say, here's your keys. No. Jesus kicked the door open 
and he went down and he kicked the door open and he jerked the keys off of him. That same Jesus dwells in the people of God today. That same spirit has got to be here in this last day. Don't be content to coexist. Don't be content with a nice Sunday spirit and the do anything you want Monday, Tuesday. Jude. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered of the saints. You know, I, I don't, I think brother, brother Kyle Morton used the example, but he says, you don't want to be in there with a testimony. You know, I, I cut my hand on the can opener this morning. Is that a testimony? Who did, when Brother Branham tells the story about Caesar, and he says, I want somebody to ride with me in my chariot this morning. And he went down to his soldiers and he looked at them that were dressed this way and he looked at one that was beat up and he says, where'd you get those marks? Where'd you get those scars? How'd you get so bruised up? Fighting on the battle for Caesar. He says, you come and ride with me. I don't want to go in with a weak testimony and say, I wish I could have done more. This is our time to do something for him. Over there you won't have a chance. This is the day, this is the hour that we can live for him. This is the time we can do damage to the kingdom of Satan. So he says, contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, if there is a faith required, there must be a resistance. So Jude says there are certain men crept in unawares who were of, of old ordained to this condemnation. So it wasn't just men, but it was spirits that dominated men, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And now Jude goes a little further, and he goes back to the time, the spirits that existed in the first exodus. And he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance how you once, how you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, Afterward, he destroyed them that believed not. So it's not good enough just to come out, but you have to go in. The same God that used Moses to bring them out also ordained Joshua to bring them in. And he says, and he links this together, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment. So they, the demons that said to Jesus, you come to torment us before our time, they know there's an hour coming for them. Why is the devil howling? Brother Branham used that phrase three times in Christ the Mystery. The devil is howling. All hell is against this revelation. What is the revelation? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Not just Christ on the cross, but Christ in you. The same authority in you that was in him. He says, like, he says even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities, the, he says, 
about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. They despise dominion. They speak evil of dignities. Now, you talk about spirits, and I, we took it some weeks back, but Revelations 18, Babylon has become the hold of every filthy spirit. It's in the world around us continually. Now, our, no matter if I get excited and I speak loudly or do whatever, there's only one thing that's going to defeat the devil. That's the word. Amen. It's not my emotion. It's not my hatred of what's right. But it's the word. So he uses this principle. Michael the archangel contending with the devil. Now, what was the contention? It was disputing about the body of Moses. So the devil that doesn't give up easy, the devil that's stubborn, you know, he comes to Michael, which is Christ, and he says, where did Moses go? He, he's dead, isn't he? But, you know, God doesn't have to cater to the devil. And, and, and you know, he, he didn't even tell him. You know what the dispute was over? The resurrection. Because Moses actually was, was still alive. He was, he was resurrected into another place because he was there with Elijah talking with Jesus concerning the resurrection. Moses had something that even Jesus had to hear. So when this devil comes to contend, stubborn devil, stupid devil, but he's fighting. Listen, don't think he's going to just leave you alone. Oh, you, you're coming. To, he's going to put everything in front of you. And you need to recognize that's his nature. He will be found fighting in the church age book. He will be found fighting the saints of God till the time he goes into the lake of fire. He will not give up. Neither will we. Neither will the saints of God. And we know who has won the victory for us. So Michael, he didn't say, stupid devil. He didn't, say, he, he didn't bring a railing accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke thee. He used the word. Now, I need to go a little further. Brother Brandon would talk. Well, let, let, me, let me just go a little further and, and pick, up, pick up this in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, if you will. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. We're, we're doing, we're good. Mark chapter 1, I want to just bring us into a tr channel or a train of thought. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, here comes Jesus into Capernaum. And straightway into the Sabbath day, he enters into the synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. So this wasn't just theology. His words are spirit and life. And our words are spirit and life. And sometimes we need to recognize we're dealing with spirits. Sometimes it can be spirits wearing, you know, the highest courts of the land. They can have judges, but it doesn't mean they're sane. No judge in their sane mind would uphold you know, the marriage and the, the, the rights of, of homosexual. That's never been a part of it. That's a, uh, listen, this isn't popular to say. It's harder to say all the time. 
But I'm just going to say it this way. In 50 years, the devil has turned what has existed on the earth for almost 6,000 years. A true definition of marriage. A true definition of what's right. Of, of relations. And he's turned it. So that we are thought of as obscure. He's entrenched himself. And he's not going to give it up. And when we counter spirits, we need to recognize we're not just fighting a person that's dressed nice, somebody in a tie, but we need to recognize sometimes there's a spirit behind it. And we need to recognize they actually get amongst us. Now that doesn't mean the person is bad, but a spirit can come and influence us. So he had authority. Now... In verse 23, and there was one in their synagogues, a man with an unclean spirit. He came to church, this man. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? So there was more than one spirit attached to this. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art. You're the Holy One of God. The demons recognized him. Friends, the demons recognize you if you're a real believer. They recognized William Branham, who had the spirit of Christ. You know, and, and they didn't recognize the seven sons of Siva, who just thought, oh, this is a neat game. Let's try this. They ran out without clothes, because the demons cast them out. It's not, you know, the devil's just as real as God is real. And Jesus rebuked this spirit, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him, and they were all amazed, insomuch they questioned among themselves, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Isaiah chapter 61. I'm just using a few scriptures, and I'm just going to get into a few other parts here. Isaiah 61. This is when Jesus came. Isaiah identifies this, and he talks about how he came. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. God has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. So this isn't just be good, be kind, love everybody, and you'll be a Christian. No, there's another part of this commission said to preach good tidings to the meek, but he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, the man that had the epileptic child he wept, he cried, he was broken. This child had this from the beginning. Brother Manham talks in the demonology message how in the Reader's Digest in 1953 in November, they published a story called The Miracle of Donnie Morton. Donnie Morton was a man who was a farmer in Saskatchewan, and he had a child that was deformed with a brain deficiency, and he tried every doctor that he could go to. He went every place that he could go to. And then he heard about William Branham. And they actually published this in Reader's Digest in 1953. And he went, and he went all the way to where Brother Branham was at the meeting. And he came to the meeting. And he came to where Brother Branham was. And he came up in the prayer line, but he didn't have a prayer card. And they were told, Billy Paul and the others, if you don't have a prayer card, you have to go. And he says, so... He said, you don't have a prayer card, I'm sorry, you'll have to sit back over there. And they did that, and as he was walking away, something caught Brother Branham, and he says, wait a minute, who is that? He heard something, 
And he says, this man has a, bring him here, bring him here. God was speaking to him. And he brought him here and, and, he, and he, he, he began to talk and, and discern and he began to say things, certain things to him. And he says, I've taken my son to Mayo Clinic. I've taken my son to everywhere. They can't do it. And we think, oh, right then he's going to cast him out. But you know, there was, this was really interesting, this whole miracle, because Brother Adam says, I know they've taken him to this doctor. He says, you go from here, you go on the street, and within three days, a black-haired woman is going to come to you, and she's going to ask you, what's wrong with your child? And when she asks you, you tell her, and she's going to tell you about a country doctor who will perform an operation for him, and he'll get well. Now the... Now, God has all wisdom. God knows how to deliver us. He knows the most wicked cases, the most stubborn cases. It doesn't mean it happens the way we think. But God is determined if we're determined. If we're sincere with him, he will have the answer. We think the prophet had to do it. But you know, God is the author of all healing. God is every miracle. God is in the process. Friends, don't just look at this meeting and say, you know what, I'm going to get over it. It may take some time. It may take something. But you need to put your faith, set your wings before God and say, I have not been born to coexist with this enemy any longer. Why? Because of this commission. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound. I find the testimony of this man was wonderful. He was emotional. He was crying. But he said, Lord, something inside of me believes. But whatever's hindering me, help my unbelief. You know, Brother Branham would talk about it for himself. And I just mentioned it last service but on the wings of a dove. And he would just begin to speak about it. And he talked about how he had had to deal with this thing his whole life. And he said how... Well, let me just read it. About that squirrel, he had that thing that would just jump in him and he couldn't stop it. It would jump into his mouth. And he says... It went down into my stomach. It was tearing me to pieces. And I began crying, Oh God, have mercy. It's killing me. And I heard a voice say, It's only six inches long. How many heard the story? He says, Now listen to all of this. He said, Your father, Mayo brothers, Your father was an Irishman. He drank. Your mother was a half Indian. That makes you almost a half breed. And you're such a nervous wreck, you'll never be out of it. Now, because of natural family traits, it brought him to this condition. Now, in demonology, Brother Branham would actually say, he say, many of your traits started in your great-great-grandfather. So, four generations back, and they just get carried down, they get passed down, they get passed down, they get passed down, and you have them. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. But they're there. They've been in your family lineage. They get passed down. They get passed down. They get passed down. And you're struggling with them. And it's so easy to say, well, I'll blame my dad. Or I'll blame my mom. Or I'll blame my, my grandfather. 
You can't blame them. They got it too. But it was a little germ. Now listen, when Jesus redeemed us, he redeemed our souls. But our natural flesh has not been redeemed yet. But you have a right by virtue of the new birth to take dominion over it. Now look at how Brother Branham deals with it for himself. He says, your father was an Irishman, your mother was a half Indian. He says, otherwise you're healthy, but you're a nervous wreck. And he says, and he says how you have these spells. Now, it, it came on him every seven years in a great way. And he said, these spells. And he says, some people, they're high-tempered. That kind will kill you. Other kind, like women in many menopause, they cry. Now, these are real-life things. Friends, I, until you've suffered, and until you know, you don't, you, and you listen, what one battle may be to one is not to the other. But he says, you get that kind of weary feeling. Old-timers used to call it the blues. It wouldn't leave them. When that hits you, your stomach sours. You're upset. And he says, but sir, I didn't do nothing. I'm happy. And he said, that's right, but that's just out of the human grab bag. Now just think about that. I didn't ask to have slightly thinning hair. I didn't ask to have a problem with my eyesight, but I inherited it. I didn't ask to have certain kind of traits, but they're there. Does that mean, you know, I, I, you know, Pray and I'll have a bushy head of hair. No, that isn't what we're talking about. But I think there's something that would hurt you from going on with God. I think you have a right to it. And you have a right to take dominion over it. And Brother Benham's highlighting all of this. He's gone through this all of his life. He's prayed for people. And they've been delivered. But he has this problem. And he prays for someone. But he suffers. And he suffers. And he suffers. And he goes through it. And he says... And yet the voice said to him, it's only six inches long. And then he has that vision to go up into Sabino Canyon. He comes up and he, has, and, he, and he sees in the vision how that squirrel missed him. And he says, and it landed on a cactus. And he goes up and he says, there's the squirrel. And this voice said, your enemy is dead. Yeah. And he starts weeping and he says, oh, why would God heal me? And he says, I believe we'll ride this trail again. I'll ride this trail again. Now, before you go too far with interpreting God's word, he says it three ways. He says, I'll ride this trail. We'll ride this trail. She'll ride this trail. So before you interpret it just for him, I believe what he went through is for all of us. I think... We, ought, we have a right as the children of God to be able to exercise everything God has given us. One amazing thing to this whole thing about me was in a natural event, in a natural healing, it actually melded together with his spirit realm and his body realm. The blues actually affected him. Now, the same God that told Brother Branham to go and see, to tell this Donnie Morton, go to the street, meet a blackhead woman, go to a doctor. That God also has the answer for us. That God knows what it takes. And so we need to set ourselves into a condition. 
Now, we remember the story when, when, when Brother Biscoe and Brother Branham went up the Alaska Highway and there was a man that had epileptic fits and he says, now take, and he says, get him to take that shirt, that red shirt, rip it off of him, throw it in the fire. Now, it takes something to cause something to happen. And Brother Branham, he got these spells, he had the spirit of Elijah, but he says, I'm happy, because as a Christian, he's happy. Let, let, me, let me bring something to you here. There was a, a, a place where they add questions and answers, and they asked this to Brother Branham. Are you good with me this morning here? Are you good? Not with me, with the word. Okay. Brother Branham, what shall we do? Something has settled over me that I cannot break through. I dreamed I was lost in white sand. It was getting dark. I was as one groping in darkness. My wife and my son were included in the dream. They're in darkness. We're desperate. We're in desperation. Could you show us where we're wrong or sinning? We want to be right. Now he says, I don't know the lady, but I feel if you're here, lady, here's your trouble. Now, have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like, what's this, glo what's this glo gloominess over me? And he says, he says, lady, something is making you nervous, but you're just letting Satan put one over on you. Your dream has proved you're doing nothing wrong. White sands represents purity and righteous. You're nervous, and by doing this and thinking this, you're making the rest of your family nervous. <laughs> you mean uh, the right mental attitude can have a difference? Absolutely. Jesus died for me. I ought to be happy. He paid the price. Whatever I'm going through, there's an end to it. God has delivered me. Just keep humming. Keep singing. Keep confessing. He's the high priest of our confession. Does it mean the devil will leave right away? No. Does it mean he won't try and come back? No. But the truth is, he's got no hold. The blood stands between me and whatever is bothering me. He says, now here, this, this is good for us. Well, a few of you, anyway. He says, you're nervous, you're making the rest of your family nervous. How important is it to say the right thing? How are you feeling? Rotten. Really? <laughs> Somebody's in the hospital. You know what the best thing to do when they go to the hospital? If you come there and say, wow, you don't look very good. <laughs> you know what? I had an uncle that died of that. <laughs> Stay home. Don't even visit. God bless you, Brother Glenn. <laughs> what is it? Confess the word. Amen. You know, there's a strain that can even follow, even within a family. You, you don't just pick up physical, but you can pick up mental things. You know, it's, it's, and maybe it always goes a little bit to, well, something bad's about to happen. Yeah, well, something bad will happen if that's what you're thinking. You ought to be happy and free. If it happens, Jesus is already taken care of it. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Whatever happens, God knows. If it's a test, God will help me overcome it. Forget the negativity. You bring 
Unbelief, you bring it in and it comes on you. It brings something back on you. In demonology, Brother Bram says, I need to go across the country and correctly teach people again. Because sometimes God comes, he delivers people, they receive it, they go out from there, but the, he says, like a germ or a disease or something, it comes back, you feel good, and after three days, you start to feel some swelling and you feel sick and nauseous. And, and then it's that moment he says that the devil comes to tell you nothing really happened. And he says, if you believe him, you've lost your healing. If you believe that God has delivered you, stand your ground. Don't let the devil come in. Keep a positive confession. Christian soldiers, that's what we are. I'm sick and tired of the news that tells me how many people have died of coronavirus. How many are infected. I feel like publishing a website. There are 36,436,000 people in Canada that do not have the virus. So what if they did? I'm not demeaning it, but I'm saying God is our confession. God is our words. He acts upon our confession. Why do we be governed by fear and nervousness and negative confession? Because you do that and it actually brings a physical on you. Brother Bram says, you allow some bitterness, some unforgiving spirit. And he says, that'll cause an ulcer. Now I'm not saying that's the cause of every ulcer. Why worry? You know what you need to do is just, you've got the house already, you've got the deliverance, why worry? Why are you still paying the mortgage? The title's in your name. The bank's not there anymore. When you let one member of the family get nervous, it goes to the next, to the next, and the first thing, you're all fussing and going on. And one member of the family kind of gets upset about something. It upsets the other and the other. And before you know the whole thing, the whole family is upset. It's Satan. Then if one member of the family rejoices, let the rest of them rejoice. So every one of you in your family try to do that. What's he talking about? Casting out devils. He says, each of you children, help your papa, your mama. Now, you might not call them that. You might call them my mom or your daddy, but you help them. Don't, Papa, try to help your children. Don't let that gloomy, unbelieving spirit get around you. You are Christians. You're born of the Spirit of God. You're the salt of the earth. If God has given you rights, if there be any praise or virtue, think about the right things. There's your trouble, sister dear. Wow, I think that's pretty good. I, I, I think that's really good. You know, sometimes we, we, try, to, we try to do things and, and, you know, things come into our family lineage and they get carried through. I think one of the best examples was in, in, in the message Paradox where Brother Branham talks about a family and, and the they mother and father had been born again. And he's speaking to the mother. He says, your people... Look at your people. 
they just sit there and they won't speak. They're very independent and so forth, and they're irreverent to religion. You know what those people were? They were Germans. <laughs> oh, my. I've, I've, I've said many things for Germans. I can say things against them. Because really, I think Brother Dwayne said it. He, he accused me of, of labeling him as coming from Saskatchewan. He said, no, I'm not. I come from God, and I go back to God. <laughs> he says, you're... You're the only one of your sisters and brothers that are sweet and kind and forgiving. Listen, let me, let me just stop for a moment. Brother Branham came to Edmonton. You know, you talk about stubborn spirits. He would come somewhere and he would come up against a spirit. He had a 10-day series of meetings in 1957 in Edmonton. And he's finally preaching, and I think he's into six or seven meetings, and, and he preaches and he says, You Canadians! You got a starchy spirit if you don't let go of that. He says, and, he, and he begins to rebuke the Edmontonians and Canadians. You know what? That's a spirit, a stronghold associated with a certain place. But I'd like to say today, I'm not identified with that anymore. Why? I've received the word. I am not starchy. Uh, no, I am German. I am not a true German. I'm a Christian above those things. I will not be governed by my lineage, naturally speaking. I will not be governed by the place I was born. I've been born by God. I may have to fight that starchy spirit. I may have to fight the German nature, but I'm greater than that by virtue of what God has done. Thank you. You know, God had to bring some Irish Africans to us to help us through this. Now, you won't find a combination like that very often, but God bless you, Brother Max. We love you. Brother Max is speaking tonight. Pray for him. God will use him. He'll help us. I guarantee you, after you finish listening to him, you won't feel starchy. Guaranteed. <laughs> Brother Brandon would also go and say, oh my, I got to get through this somehow here. I've got so many places I can go and do things now. Thank you. <laughs> I can, I, can I have like a few more replicas of you, Brother Glenn, and just sit you right here in the front? I, I'd be happy with that. Now, Brother Branham, he, he encounters these, these people, this family, and he says, look, you, 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 your family is this and this, but you're different. And he says, what did that? You've received the Holy Ghost. And that's Christ that lives in you. And then... You know, he, he looks at, at the boy and he says, look at your family, they're practically all drunks, they're moody, they're high-tempered, but you're not. What did that? You're kind, you're forgiving. It's Christ in you. Now, all of this stemmed up because he had a son who went to church, and the, the boy went to church, he was baptized, he went to the altar, he did all of these things, he started going with a girl in the church, and then he said something, he promised her something, and he didn't follow through it. And it became a big fuss. 
And then he says, what's wrong with my boy? And he says, well, it's a paradox. He says, he's there in the church with your genetics, with your background, trying to overcome. But until the spirit of Christ comes in, he'll never overcome. So I say this, I'm not interested in raising up children that follow my family tree. But I'm interested that they would know Christ. That they would receive him and be born by that spirit. That ought to be our focus. Listen, I love it that they love sauerkraut. I love it that they love the same food I love. I've often wondered if I was born over in, in India or somewhere, would I eat buttered chicken all the time? I probably would, because I like it here too. Would I, would, I, would I eat all these other things? If I was over in, in Ghana, would I eat fufu? I probably would. <laughs> you know, but I tell you what, I'm here, I'm eating what I am. The important thing is, it's not what you eat, but it's the spirit that lives in you. So this boy is trying to overcome, but he'll never overcome. Now, I, I'm, I'm bringing all of this because sometimes these things are big stumbling blocks. Now, let me, let me go back to where Brother Branham would talk about this. Okay, I've kind of come through different things. Okay, this will go right to where I want it to get to. Brother Branham, I am saved. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. How do I get away from a stubborn spirit that I cannot seem to break away from? Let's go over to 1 Samuel. Brother Dan, I'm skipping some, some, some verses here. 1 Samuel. This will be in verse 15. 1 Samuel, verse 15. Now this is where... Um, Samuel tells Saul, if you read verses 1 to 3, he tells Saul, you're the king. Hearken to all the words. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Destroy Amalek, because I remember what he did to us. Go and destroy him, man, woman, everything, the whole works. Goes down to verse 7. He smote the Amalekites. He did such and such. But he took the king, and he took the Amalek, some of, and the king of the Amalekites, and he kept some of the cattle and all of these things. And finally, Samuel has to come to him in verse 15. And, and Saul said, they have... Because Samuel said, what's, what's the bleeding of the sheep and, and the lowering of the things? They have brought them from the Amalekites. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. The rest we've utterly destroyed. You know, he's just sitting there. He's thinking, I did the will of God. But he didn't really listen. And Samuel says, were you not little in your own sight when you were made the head of the king? And he says, and, and he begins, I told you to destroy him, verse 16. You didn't obey the voice of the God, verse 19, verse 20. Saul said, but I have obeyed. Talk about stubborn. No, you didn't. Did you make your bed? No, I, yes, I did. I just looked. No, you didn't. Did you eat that cookie? Crumbs all over your face. No, I didn't. Stubborn. Hey, we all got a degree of it. You might have to fight through it more because of genetics and things. And so now he says, in verse 22, Samuel says, look at what he says here. 
Hath God as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And now he makes this statement. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now you talk about a wicked thing in the Bible. Witchcraft is somebody who goes into the spirit realm to the negative and works in that realm. And he says rebellion is in the same manner. How often have we rebelled? My, you know, and, and I think Jesus would say, you know, you have heard them said, you shall not kill. But I say unto you, if you have a thought against such and such, you're already on that path. So he says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, I have done this. Now, look at this, these phrases. Stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Rebellion as a sin of witchcraft. The spirit that was on Saul never left him. Even though David was being raised up, even though David was doing all of those things, that spirit which had an affinity to witchcraft, it was when they were coming up against the Philistines, Samuel had died, and where did Saul go for help? To a witch. The witch of Endor. Friends, if you don't kill the enemy, he will kill you. And I say, let's kill him. Let's not let something rise in our hearts all the time. You want to kill the enemy? Do the opposite. Brother Branham, how do I, how do I overcome? I, I feel like I've got a stubborn spirit. He says, when I got an inferiority complex, I, I feel it was caused by something as a child in my youth. How do I overcome, Brother Branham? Do the opposite. If you always want your way, and you're the one little brat that always wants to have your way, I like how he puts it. He calls us nothing but brats. You want your way? Yeah. He says, if you want to overcome Turn around and do the opposite. I, I, I told you the story. I, I was out, parked my car. I was meeting a client. I was looking across the street behind me, and I'm parked here. And I, I just saw, oh, hi. And then I parked, walked in. Then I was in the house for a while, and then I walked down the, the lane, etc. I was gone an hour, but I didn't realize I parked in front of somebody's driveway. <laughs> and then I... Part of my walk was I was preparing for service and I was listening to a message, right? So I, I come and I come back to my car and there's a note on there, a nasty note. You parked in my driveway. I can't say everything. You parked in my driveway. You did such and such. And I thought, oh, how could I? And I went up to the, I said, you know what? Let me get in my car. Move away. I didn't do that. I went to the door of the house the lady answers. I give her the note. I says, this is me. You parked in my, I missed an appointment. I did this and this. I said, I know. I didn't, I didn't argue with her. I said, I was preparing for a service. I was on the work of the Lord. No, I didn't say that. I said, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Is there anything I can, you, I said, is there anything I can do? No. Thanks for coming. I'm really sorry. 
Listen, have a nice day. It's all okay. How did that happen? I did the opposite to what human nature told me. Oh, let's get into a great theological war. You know what you do? If that's what you believe, that's fine. God has to reveal it to you. God doesn't want us to argue and fuss and fight. You want to be a Christian? You want to be an overcomer? Do the opposite of what your nature is. Now, on the other hand, if your nature is to succumb and lay down and, and do such, once in a while you got to stand up. Do the opposite. As the devil comes, okay, here I am. I'll stretch up my arms. Where's the nails? No, don't do that. Once in a while, I'm here for the king. Do the opposite. You know, we all came from somewhere. We're all going somewhere. God's going to help us all. Brother, he says, do the opposite. If you're selfish and you want to hold anything, start giving it away. Oh, man, I like, I, 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 I like that pillow you got. Hey, you want it, you can have it. Oh, I like that couch. Yeah, I could take it. Oh, I like your car. Whoa there. Don't touch my car. So Brother Adam says, listen, want to cast out devils? Do you want to cast out devils? Here's some good advice. Now, he says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now listen, let's finish the question, questions and answers. Brother Adam says this, I got a stubborn spirit. Well, my Christian brother, sister, most of the times you find people that's got stubborn spirits, it's a complex that causes it. Either they have inherited from father mother, uncle, aunt, grandmother, somebody like that, if you trace it back in your life, I have seen by experience under discernment, I've met cases, thousands of those that had a spirit. And he says, and generally if you trace it back, it comes from a granddaddy or a grandmother. So don't blame your father and mother. No, that's not what it says. But (laughs) he says, now listen to how he says this. Stubbornness is not of God. And the only way you're going to have faith to overcome it, if you're a Christian, you'll never be able to stand and rebuke it and rebuke it. It's like tantalizing a rattlesnake. He said, it's laying there ready to bite you. But if you ignore it, if you do the opposite, if you walk away from it, and you, know, and, and, and you begin to do it, sometimes, you know, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Oh, I, you know, I, I've got you know, I, to pay something or other, and I don't really want to do it. Just do it. You feel better after it. You know, and, and, and you know, or else let me avoid this, or let me avoid, you know, just try and avoid the real thing. Sometimes, you know, what you need to do is just come up face to face. Put yourself before God. Be transparent. When you feel you've got that stubborn spirit, lay the thing on the altar. Believe God that it's dead and you'll never have it no more. Don't pay any attention to it. The thing will leave you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, listen, I'm bringing that down home to to close to where we are. But I'll say this. All of these things we have to overcome. Listen, let me go to the book of Joshua. I'll close with these few. I really, I feel like I've jumped around here this morning, but that's... That's okay. Let's just take this as we conclude because Ephesians parallels Joshua. So this is in Joshua chapter 10. We're going to turn to Joshua chapter 10, if you will with me. How many are good this morning? 
Joshua chapter 10. Now, to really get this context, and I want you just to, let's just take the last 10 minutes like this and we'll finish. The book of Joshua is a people inheriting their land. So, it's a natural land, but you also need to recognize we have a land, we have a vessel, and we've got to possess our vessels. So Joshua is told in Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. And he's told three times, be strong and very courageous. He's told three times. So he goes along, they fight their battles. In Joshua chapter 9, they're, they're, they, they've overcome Jericho, they've finally overcome Ai. They, now there's a people there called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, they see that these people are coming into the land. They're a city that's close by. And so they dress themselves like old people and moldy bread and the whole works. And they come there. We've come from a far land. We've come to make peace with you. We see that your, your God is with you. And, and, and so they make a pact with Joshua. And they find out three days later that they're just right around the next corner. But this is the authority that was under Joshua. And the authority under Joshua commission was whatever you say, whatever you do. And now he's taken them under their wing and they've made, and the people are upset at Joshua. You've made a mistake. You were deceived by these people. He says, okay, I've got to honor my word. Now Joshua chapter 10, verse 1. It came to pass when Adonazek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and utterly destroyed it, and he'd done this to Jericho and her king, and how he'd done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and they were among them. And they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, and one of the royal cities, and it was as greater than Ai, and, it was, and, and all the men thereof were mighty. Now, remember when Joshua, he has the spirit the same spirit that was on the Hebrew mothers. Way back when they, the Hebrew mothers, gave birth and they named their children, they breathed out their name. It wasn't just their name, but it was their inheritance in the land. So as such, when they were there, their name was their inheritance. Now what they didn't know is that there was people dwelling in that land. That there was an enemy dwelling in that land. But it didn't change God's mind about their inheritance. The same thing with us. We grew up with family backgrounds. We grew up with personal natures. But God had an inheritance that he placed within us. He wanted us to be overcomers. So you need to look at it that way. Land that the enemy once possessed stubbornness or, or filthy spirits or, or all kinds of things. But the enemy had possessed this, but now God wants to possess it. So here, it tells how these kings come. Now look at these kings. Verse 3. Adonisaac, king of Jerusalem. Does Jerusalem sound like a place that the children of God are going to possess? And unto Hoham, king of Hebron. That was another place. And unto Piram, king of Jarmuth. And Japai, king of Lachish. And unto Deborah, king of Eglon. So these five kings want to make war with Gibeon. Not against Israel, but with Gibeon. They want to make war with them because they have aligned themselves with Israel. Israel. 
So they, they, they come in verse 4 and say, Come and help us that we may smite Gibeon, for they have made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. These are the five kings. They gathered themselves up. They camped against war, and they made war. So what did Joshua do? Ha! Serves them right now. No. God's word, through Joshua, had authority. And he says, okay, they're coming up against us. Now, this is incredible to me. It was a mistake that the children of Israel made, but now God allowed that mistake, and now he's saying, we're going to fight, and we're going to possess these places. Sometimes God allows things to come to a head. He allows it to come to a place where, okay, it's time to get serious. You know, you can let a lot of things lie for a long time. And I'd say it's the same thing with us. We can allow things to slip under the rug, slip under the table. But we need to be serious with God. And if he puts his finger on something and you make a mistake, say, Lord, this has beset me too many times. This has gotten in my way too many times. Help me to take care of my temper. Help me to take care of my stubbornness. Help me to take care of these things. So what happens? They begin, to, they begin to go and buy the mistakes, and now they go into a war in verses 6 to 8. And the many of Gibeon went to Joshua, come up, fight against us. Verse 7, Joshua ascended from Gilgal with all his men. Verse 8, and the Lord said, fear not, for I have delivered them into your hand. Therefore shall not a man of them stand before you. Oh, you have allowed your temper to get the best of you. Therefore you're cast out. No, I'm going to help you with that. I made a mistake. I went out and said such and such. I did such and such. No, I'm going to help you with that. Despite your mistake. And Joshua comes. Now this is setting up for the greatest victory. One of the greatest victories in the Bible. And it's all the result of a mistake. It's all the result of human weakness. It's all the result of all of these things. So let's just drop down to verse, let's go down to verse 12. Then, as they're in the middle of a battle, in fact, you find in the middle of the battle, they're on their way, and hailstones came down from heaven and smote half the army. But the battle was still, these were five kingdoms. Verse 10, then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites and the children of Israel, and in the sight of God, he says, son, stand still. Now, this happened because he was fighting for a people that had aligned themselves under deceit. <laughs> Sometimes you stumble and you fall and you make a mistake and you think God's going to cast you off. And he says, stand up and speak. What did he say to Moses? He says, and Moses, here comes Pharaoh behind him and here, here's the Red Sea in front of him. He says, stand still and see the salvation of God. Sometimes you need to do something. Yeah. Listen, sometimes it's you do one thing. Brother Branham, he says, at the grave of Jesus, they said, roll away the stone. That sets in the motion God doing something. When Brother Branham was at Sunset Mountain, throw a rock in the air. Judgment began to hit the, the West Coast. Amen. That same God stands for us. Speak to whatever you have need of. Sometimes all you need to do is yield. I'll be honest. Sometimes the biggest battle for a minister is just to come to a service and to yield. Oh, I, I can take this thought. I can take that thought. But Lord, what do you want? Once you yield, 
Then God takes care of the rest. You want to be an overcomer? Don't try and figure it out. Don't try. You know, your, 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 your brain sometimes blocks what God wants to do. Say, Lord, this wasn't the kind of service I thought this morning. Allow God to minister. Allow God to break down. Yield to what God is doing. So here he comes, sun stands still, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, and the people avenged themselves. Is it not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down a whole day. So now, this whole thing comes, these five kings escape. You can read more of this. I don't want to read every verse in this whole thing. And these five kings, kings they realize they're up against something. In verse 17, and it was told Joshua, saying, the five kings are found hid in the cave at Makahada. And, and, and Joshua said, roll up stones by the mouth of the cave, set men by it for it to keep it. Now let's pursue the rest of the enemies. So they went, the five kings, the five principalities, the five that were the ones responsible for bringing this all together, they're sealed up in a cave, but they went and smote the rest of the armies. They smote the rest of the armies, they came back, and now he said, roll away the stone. Open the mouth of the cave, verse 22. Bring those five kings. And he says, bring these five kings. Now, Jerusalem had a king, but God desired Jerusalem. You might have something that besets you, but God desires you. Are you willing to allow it? Now, it's ironic that it's five kings because we have five senses that need to be put under five subjection. We have five spirit senses that need to be put under subjection. Are we greater than those things? Or is our God not greater? I believe He is. So He tells Joshua, He says, Joshua, now bring these kings out from the cave. And when He brought them out, now look at what Joshua does here, verse 24. They brought the kings out, and he called for the men of Israel and all the captains of war. And he says, now put these kings on the ground. And he says, now I want you guys, the all of the captains and the kings, put your feet on the necks of these kings as a symbol of what I'm going to do. You can't stop what God has given you in the human grab bag. You might have a nervous spirit. You might have a gloomy spirit. But I believe through the Holy Ghost, you can put your feet on the neck of it this morning. You can take that stubborn spirit and say, it shall not have dominion over me. You can take the spirit that reigns in Canada or Edmonton, and you can say, I will not be starchy. You can say, well, I'm, I, I'm German. Okay, I've got to stop picking on the Germans. You all, I'm Irish. Or I, I, I'm, 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 I got to pick on somebody else here. Brother Mark, there you go. I'm Trinidadian. That's, <laughs> no, we're Christians. The same spirit. Listen, we all have to overcome something. But I believe God has set it up where we can put our feet on the necks of whatever as the enemy is besetting you with. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But the Holy Ghost is there so that you can overcome your temperament. Your genetic pool that besets you or that, that causes you to worry or causes you to be sharp-tongued or causes you to speak too quickly. Oh, Lord, reign and rule. Reign and rule over me. I, I, I don't want to just follow my natural man. Let's have the musicians come. 
I said I'd close. I'm, I'm just past 10 minutes, so I said I, I'll follow with that. They put their necks on them, and now what does Joshua say in verse 23? Fear not, and nor be dismayed, nor dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. I think symbolically, when you find yourself, oh, I, I used to be driven by this or driven by that. And when you see God come into your man and you realize that doesn't have to have dominion over me anymore. Maybe there's something that you can't get over this morning. But know this, that the same God that cast out what the disciples could not cast out is still on the scene today. He knows our weakness. He knows our struggles. It may be a situation in our body or in our health. You might not have the victory today, but I believe you can begin to put your foot down. I believe you can come to say and begin to confess to God and say, I will not let this have dominion over me any longer. Amen. I know I came from this background, but I'm not blaming my father or my mother or my grandfather. I am a Christian, and I've been born of God, and I have the right to claim what God has given me. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord, you reign and rule. You reign and rule over me. Lord, you reign and rule, reign and rule over me. Lord, you reign and rule, reign and rule over me. In everything. that song I bless your name there you go in prison's chains with bleeding stripes Paul and Silas pray that
part of that second verse some midnight hour I don't know if there's one of us that somewhere we've come up against a struggle and we feel like I don't know how I'm going to get over this I don't know how I'm going to get past this I, it seems like I try I fall down, I stumble I want to encourage you this morning whatever obstacle you've had to face in life, be it the background, the place, wherever you've come from, God is greater than that. The Holy Ghost is greater than whatever you're facing. And no matter how gloomy it looks, how much the devil says, you'll never get over it. I want to encourage you this morning. You look for God. Amen. Don't let some stubborn spirit that's been defeated to, to have a place in your life. Amen. The Bible says, don't give place to Him. Amen. How do you give place to Him? A negative confession? A gloomy spirit? How do you give place to Him? By allowing sin? Yeah. I say this, whatever you do, keep pushing. Keep pressing. Don't allow the devil. I, I'll tell you what, years ago, I came out and I thought, I'm never going to overcome this or overcome that. I went through some struggles. I'd fast and I'd pray and I'd say, I, I, I can't get past this. And some little thing, I remember driving down the road and a scripture comes, he who the Son has set free Amen. is free indeed. Amen. Do you see the result right away? No, but it's coming. It's on the road. Yeah. Did Brother Bram see the squirrel dead at the beginning? No, but it's going to die. And I say, look for it. Look for it in a country doctor. Look for it in a confession. Look for it by doing the opposite. Look for it by just believing and trusting God. Amen. We're Christians. Amen. Brother Gary Walker, in a terrible car wreck, a minister of God, 
He's left for dead at the scene. But he has a little daughter that was raised in a home. And the paramedics are coming up to the scene. And, and they're coming up. Where is he? They're all nervous. And she says, it's okay, it's okay. We're Christians. <laughs> We're Christians. We ought to be the happiest people on the face yes, of the amen. earth. I just want to encourage you this morning. There's stubborn spirits. There's a devil having great wrath. But Jesus came to heal the broken heart. Amen. He came to loose those that were in prison. He came to set us free. We're free. Amen. The devil's just knocking on the outside. He's trying to get back in. I'm not going to open to him. I'm a Christian. Amen. Well, Brother Glenn, I'm going to ask you to come and close in prayer. But we're going to sing a song first. You, can you do that? You just close in prayer. You don't have to do anything else. You can just come. I appreciate the pull, Brother Glenn. I appreciate you being yourself. Amen. God bless you. Let's just sing, I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land.